Well, based on what we've been seeing in the last few weeks, it looks like 2024 is shaping up to be international act like a pirate year. And there's nothing funny about that at all. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. And uh, this particular episode of Right Angle has some actual data in it. So I'm going to have to put on my um, cogitation spectacles here. Uh, gentlemen, there's a, a group of pirates. They've been operating off the coast of Somalia for quite a while. But now there's a, a group specifically known as the Houthis. And the Houthis are backed by Iran. And they're no longer coming after um, these uh, shipping container boats or, or whatever the case may be uh, on these wooden speedboats with high-powered outboard motors. They're coming in by helicopter. And they are landing on these ships uh, armed with AK-47s and something that looks quite a bit like a uniform. They're scouting out these ships in advance with drones. And um, basically what is happening is the Houthis are being paid by Iran to raid the world shipping uh, in order to protest uh, the so-called Israeli atrocities in Hamas after, in Gaza after Hamas committed actual atrocities and so on. So we actually have a genuine, honest-to-God uh, piracy situation here again. Um, Steve, why don't we start with you? Uh, the response of the uh, international community, the response of the West, which has provided the most incomparably powerful economic, military, philosophical, and moral force in the history of the world has been to realize that these attacks are taking place in the, uh, in the Red Sea, in the Indian Ocean, on the other side, on the south side of the uh, Suez Canal. Um, and so the answer that the West has provided in all of its might and glory is to no longer use the Suez Canal, but rather to sail around Africa, which is an additional 5,000 miles or so and adds approximately 20 days to the voyage. Uh, you'll be interested to know, Steve, if you don't know already, that uh, really advanced uh, forward-thinking Nazi uh, war planners during World War II realized that the way to beat Britain was to control the Suez Canal. Because if you have to make English shipping go around Africa, you are essentially cutting the amount of ships available by four-fifths. So... Yes, that's what we're doing, Steve. We're, we're no longer dealing with these, uh, this ragtag group of, of, of pirates uh, like we were grown-ups. We are rerouting the world shipping around Africa, going an additional 5,000 miles at 20 knots, raising the prices of all of our goods because I guess we just don't want to be mean to the pirates. Yeah, well, we're doing a couple of things. Uh, one right, one, one wrong, and there's, there's a lot to say here. Uh, no, just a, a quick correction. The Somali pirates have been a problem for, I don't know, 20 years or something now. Uh, the Houthis are actually out of Yemen. They're the... the that's right. They're, that's, they're, that's correct. They're yeah. not the Somalis. Different group. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they're basically a wholly owned subsidiary of the Iranian mullahs, as, as you said. Um, and we've got uh, one or two Arleigh Burks, and I think there's a British ship in the, in the Red Sea, too. And they've done a spectacular job so far of shooting down some of these incoming missiles that the, that the Houthis have been launching. But the shipping companies all know that it's just like the IRA said after they barely missed killing Margaret Thatcher in the Bristol Hotel bombing in 1984. They released a statement saying, you, we only have to get lucky once. You have to be lucky every time. And mm -hmm. it, it doesn't take a whole lot of missiles, even ones that are shot down for the shipping companies or, or BP, uh, British Petroleum, to say, yeah, we're, we're just not going to sail the Red Sea anymore. But it, it's, yeah. it's not just the Somali pirates. It's not just the Houthis. It's not just the Red Sea. 
Uh, China is a big old bully in the South China Sea. They pushed the Philippines out of their own uh, economic exclusion zone. Uh, around and they're the, fishing uh, in every single nation in the world's territorial waters. Every single nation in the world has illegal Chinese fishing fleets in them. Exactly. And the Philippines is taking the, the, the worst of it right now. The Chinese are acting like pirates. They've got these pseudo-civilians, pseudo-Coast Guard vessels mm-hmm. that are attacking Philippine f- fishing vessels with water cannon. They've got a sonic device that... Uh, practically incapacitates the crew they're ramming these fishing boats with their own boats um it's this is this is state piracy is what it is and there's a there's i can tell you in in one short sentence why this is going on and why it's going on everywhere our navy's too small that's it that is the whole damn thing um it was the job of the royal navy before world war ii uh for a hundred years or more and it's been the job of the united states navy ever since then to protect freedom of the seas and commerce for everybody. And the reason for that is it's not because we're the good guys, although we are. It's not because we're nice or generous, although we, we we try to be. But it's because Britain and the United States, and when I say the United States, I'm talking about America before we were even a country. Our wealth has been built on sea trade from, from mm-hmm. day one. We are maritime trading powers. And it was a benefit to the entire world that we built navies big enough to patrol and keep the peace in all the seven seas all over the world. Yeah, we had freeloaders. Okay, fine. We got most of the benefit. And the biggest benefit was that when upstarts like uh, like Nazi Germany or Imperial Japan decided they were going to upset this world order, we had the naval power that was was so great that they could never hope to win a world war. It just was not possible for them because we controlled the sea lanes and and we did a spectacular job of it, even though we got caught with our pants down at Pearl Harbor and that kind of thing. Um, we need, Bill, they're talking about maybe someday in 20 years building a 355-ship Navy. We can't do it. And not only can we not do it without serious investments in our uh, in our naval yards, we've got five of them, by the way, five. That's that that's it, that are capable of handling the, the big ships. Um, we need major investments because we don't need a 350-ship Navy. We need a 400- or 500-ship Navy at the minimum because, yeah, the ships have gotten a lot more powerful. The missiles can fire at longer ranges, and the sensor platforms can see further and further and all that good stuff, and that's great. But the fact is the oceans haven't gotten any smaller, and any patch of ocean that doesn't have a United States Navy vessel there or quickly on the way that's where the pirates show up. That's where the bullies like communist China show up. And if we want to protect our wealth, if we want to protect our prosperity, we have to stay king of the seas, period. I don't often disagree with you. In fact, I don't think I've ever disagreed with you about uh, Navy history or policy, Steve, but I don't think the problem is lack of hulls. I think the problem is lack of will. And we'll, well get that's, to that that's part of it, too. Yeah. But we got here. We uh, got here. We got the lack of hulls because of lack of wills. Well, yes, that's 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 exactly right. We're certainly short on ships. Scott, as you know, the United States is just a fledgling nation, barely on its feet. We're just a a uh, just a you know just a new arrival on the world stage, and we don't have the means to project force uh, you know around the world or anything like that in terms of dealing with piracy or or things of that nature. So we can hardly be expected to um, be able to contribute to this problem. Uh, the United States Defense Secretary uh, Lloyd, uh, whatever Austin. his name is. Uh, Austin, thank you, uh, basically made a speech where he said in a extraordinarily low-key monotone that it would not be wise to mess with the uh, United States uh, interest, which scared me about as much as 
you know, watching a Casper the Ghost episode, I, I think that Al Haig and Casper Weinberger would probably have a larger effect. Now, this story is about 21 hours old. And just as we record this on Tuesday morning, I saw a story that is five hours old saying that the um, well, let me just tell you what uh, what the original um, plan for these acts of piracy uh, were. Um, the Reuters report said that all of these acts of piracy on the high seas and being boarded by guys with machine guns and helicopters being paid for by Iran, uh, the Reuters reporter said that these raids have prompted the U.S. and its allies to discuss a task force that would protect our sea routes. And uh, I'm sure those discussions took quite a while. Five hours ago, I saw something that said that 10 nations have uh, formed some sort of multinational a force that's going to go out and protect uh, the Red Sea against pirates. And I'll just give you my take on this, Scott. I think one nation going out there to stop this problem will be much more effective than 10 nations going out there to stop this problem. And I got just the nation in mind. <laughs> well, it, they have um, they have pulled together this task force, and it includes some, some larger players like Britain, France, uh, Canada and Italy are in there, Norway, the Netherlands, the Seychelles, and Spain, along with Bahrain, are Great. part of this Red Sea security operation, which the media is calling a task force. Um, and I know why they're doing this. It's not because the U.S. couldn't handle it. It's because it always looks better on the world stage if we are not doing something unilaterally. The last thing in the world that any American government official wants to have us branded as is that one thing that everybody else in the world admires about us is that we're cowboys. And we don't want to be cowboys, of course. And so that's why we have to pull together this task force. Um, the reality is, yeah, the U.S. US Navy could handle it, even though we may be short of ships. We're not short of ships to handle a, per, uh, a, a Red Sea or Gulf of Aden responsibility. Um, the, the real challenge here is that when you start taking on the proxies of Iran, you are having a proxy war. You're taking on Iran. And so are you willing to take that to the next level if it becomes necessary? Or will a, a vigorous show of force by the U.S. or a multinational task force actually cause Iran to back down because they know that they're not prepared to deal with us at the level that we're prepared to deal with them. Uh, the Houthi rebels, so-called, are insisting that they're not taking out, uh, they're not attacking any ships that aren't either Israeli or bringing supplies to Israel. But Israel is a global trade power that deals with lots of nations, and so that's, that's nonsense. Um, I'm glad that the U.S. is at least making a show of having a forceful reaction to this. The real test will come when they have to start shooting down helicopters and taking out the launch sites for these missiles. Hey, Bill, can I can I throw in one last Please. thing? That I, I wish I'd mentioned earlier, but there was an article today that I posted about on, on Instaputted, and I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but he was explaining why American statecraft is sort of withered, and he had some very good points to make, but he missed the big one which is the elites that are in so-called elites that are in charge of our of our foreign policy don't like America very much don't understand That's exactly America right. at all and so it's no surprise to me that time and time again they fail to promote or protect our interests Exactly in fact yes the reason this developed in the first place let me let me just steal Scott's points first because it's a good point about about Iran fighting a proxy war with us I think the answer to Scott's question is built into the question Iran 
if Iran thought that they could challenge us directly, they would challenge us yeah. directly. The reason they're fighting a proxy war is because they know they cannot challenge us directly. That's direct. That, that that's just self-evident. And so when I hear these kind of things, I think yes, this is international shipping, and that's great. And my feeling is, if France wants to send the French Navy, and if the Russians want to send the Russian Navy, and if everybody else wants to send their Navy to defend shipping in that area, that's fine. But I'm not going to get bogged down with worrying about what some commander and the Seychelles Navy has to say about what I'm going to do with my with my aircraft carrier battle group. So here's these are there, there are two things in, in, in the world that just genuinely enrage me on site. One of them is pirates boarding a ship and the other one is people looting a store and it's the exact same yeah. dynamic. It makes me it makes me a little bit angry. So here's what I think about this. I've looked at the footage that the Houthis put out about them coming down on their helicopters and four or five guys advancing across an open deck, just basically walking across this wide open space with their AK-47s. And my first thought, and I, I don't mean this to sound insulting, this is just the first thing that came into my mind. I, I genuinely don't want this to sound insulting, but we have a, a number of, of special forces teams and those guys are, are, are top of the line and this doesn't require top of the line guys. My first thought when I saw these Houthis going across the decks of these ships was this would be an excellent assignment for all of those brave, hardworking men who entered uh, uh, Bud's basic underwater demolition school and washed out. This is the, this this is something we should let these guys do, because if you put five trained U.S. soldiers on any one of these vessels, it, it's over before it begins, yeah. and that's all you have to do. This business about it requiring fleets and, and hulls and all the rest. No, no, you simply have to resist them on two or three occasions. And I'll give you the classic example of this by the great. Uh, British naval thinker who understood about the Suez Canal and its value, and that's and that's once again Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill understood that at the beginning, I want to say this is World War I actually, might have been two, but I think it was one. Submarines are very primitive at the time. They could attack underwater with torpedoes if they were in precisely the correct location, but generally speaking, if they came across an, a single unarmed merchantman, the submarine, the U-boat would surface and they would sink the ship with the deck gun. That's how it was done. Much easier, much cheaper, much less risk. Submarine can move faster than a, than a merchant on the surface, so these U-boats would just surface and start blowing these simple-looking freighters to bits. And so Winston Churchill came up with the idea of something called a Q-ship. And a Q-ship was a ship that looked exactly like other merchant ships. It had canvas sides, and it looked exactly like them. And when the U-boat got close enough to fire, these canvas sides would drop off, and extremely well-trained Royal Navy gunners would get on board the guns that were hidden by those canvas sides, and they'd blow those damn U-boats right out of the water. And the effect of this is not that the Q-ships got one or two U-boats. The effect is that the U-boats could no longer assume yeah. that every single sitting duck was a sitting duck. And when you put up that kind of defense on a certain number of vessels and you shoot down enough of these helicopters, kill enough of these guys, then the Houthis will realize, well, we could board the ship and maybe we won't run into disciplined, professional Western soldiers. Maybe we will. And the problem will go away just that easily, just that easily. The thing about this that is so enraging to me is that, is that if you cannot act against pirates who are operating on international waters, on vessels where there's no civilian casualties, there's no collateral damage, there's nothing. They are coming to take your stuff at gunpoint and possibly kill you. And we are defending our property. If that is too morally ambiguous for you, then you don't deserve a Navy. You, you just don't. 
We have the ability to detect anything that takes off anywhere in a hemisphere. We can tell you exactly where those helicopters are at any given point. And if I was the president of the United States, the second that I saw that this was organized piracy on the part of Iran, I would simply say, mark their locations where the helicopters are coming from. We're going to put cruise missile strikes into, the, into those areas. We're going to interdict and shoot down any helicopters we see in sight. And we're going to put U.S. Navy officials on board any ship that will, when I say officials, I mean soldiers, on board any ship that will take them. Guys, I'm telling you, you know, when I see these guys approaching in their boats, these these pirates making these runs, it makes me so crazy and so insane that I actually think I could make a significant amount of money by charging American citizens with AR-15s $15,000 to go out there and, and, and just defend the boat. I really do. I really do. If we have a Navy, our Navy needs to be used. And here's the real danger of the Houthi pirates. If a Navy, a nation as powerful as the United States of America is not willing to use the investment of trillions of dollars that we have put into the finest naval force that the world has ever seen, if we're not willing to use it in a case that is so morally clear cut, the real danger is not from these pirates. The real danger is what does that message send to people who also have navies? Yeah. That's where the danger is. And so we'd better do something about this right quick because we could solve this problem in six hours. For Steve Green and Scott, I'm Bill Whittle. And by God, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a Boston whaler, chuck a couple extra fuel tanks out there, and, and I'm going to solve this problem myself. We'll see you next time right here on Right Angle.